Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. Happy Friday. Wait, this comes out on Tuesdays. Are we, re- oh. are we retaining our... That's true. the charade of... Happy Tuesday, which is today, because we recorded it this morning at yeah, 4 a.m. That's how quickly we turn this around. <laughs> 4 a.m. every Tuesday, we're here. We're recording. Just like Senna's elves in the workshop. I know. That's us. Do you want to hear something wild that I recently remembered? Yeah. Um. Okay. Let me set the scene for you. Okay. I'm at a Halloween party. I'm thinking about this because we're... We're going into that autumnal season. I'm very excited for fall. fall. I'm very excited to watch Practical Magic. So I've just good. been thinking about, you know, those sort of fall sweatery movies. And then it's also your birthday in October. And your birthday. I know. So I just remembered something that happened to me when I was probably 12, maybe 13. I went to a Halloween party at a friend's house. And this is when still Halloween parties were like the parents decorated the hell out of this home and they served like crispy creams and that had bugs on them and little rice crispy treats it was a production but my like buddy my little friend for the night was this sweet chubby boy who i hadn't met before he at this point i had already started going to my performance arts high school and to give you a picture of how young i was I was still losing baby teeth, which is relevant to this story because I bit into one of the Rice Krispie treats that were like, they're like the marshmallowy things. And when I pulled it out, one of my teeth came out. And then there was a rumor spread around the party that my tooth came out because I was making out with this boy so hard. I was 12. Okay, first I'm going to say. <laughs> what? I love the spooky element of the story. I know. You- Teeth were out yeah. on Halloween night. Yeah. But also, how is one to lose a tooth with two rough tongue, tongue? twisting? You're kissing so hard you knock a tooth out? Ooh. And it was like a back tooth. They were like, yeah. You lost a, you lost a molar? Yeah. <laughs> okay, were you 12 or were you 212? <laughs> well, I guess no, one of the, it wasn't my front tooth. You know, those had already come out. Like my f- two front teeth. Okay. It wasn't one of those. <laughs> I don't know, like one, like the fourth tooth back, I guess. Oh, from the front. From the front, yeah. Slut shaming was alive and well in what two thousand eight? Yeah, must have been. Damn, dude. God, I'm sorry that happened to you. What came out of? This? I didn't speak to any of those people ever again. Fair enough. I left that party and I said, okay, nope, new friends. <laughs> Upon memory, I said some terrible things. You as did, like a ten year old. Were you bullied or were you the bully? <laughs> Were you silenced? Were you silenced or were you silent? Um, I think that I perceived myself as the victim because I was tormented for my hair color. Mm. But hurt people hurt people a little bit. Of course, I, I mean, of course. I remember saying, this is terrible. And this girl now, I know her well, and she's absolutely gorgeous. Like knockout, supermodel, stunner. I remember her saying about her, she hasn't lost her puppy fat. 
Pup, at, puppy fat <laughs> at 10 years old oh. and that still haunts me to this day no of course but you it's like it's the remorse it's the understanding that you know you didn't mean it well i definitely meant it I well think. you meant it of course but <laughs> but you didn't mean to say it yeah necessarily no i was definitely trying to ingratiate myself with one of the cool guys and that's who i said it oh to, of course which is so crazy like i was like yeah she's so cool i guess she just hasn't lost her puppy fat like that like it was like just factual <sighs> crazy it's a crazy thing to say how outrageous i never said it to her face of course well i think if any woman on the planet was given the transcripts of a moment when she was trying to ingratiate herself with a man early in life i think we would all throw up and i think we would all be completely ashamed of the things that we've said or done even if it's just like the like i love green day and every <laughs> album for me it's like um l- lullabies what's the biggest lie you think you've told mm. a man to make him like you that i love green day <laughs> in the fifth grade yeah well fifth grade i mean the biggest lie i've told a man green day was one that i was truly talking out of my ass in the fifth grade i remember a boy that i liked really liked them and i was like yes me too and it's crazy that other girls don't were you wearing chucks in a prom dress at this time? I did in the ninth grade. <laughs> Famously wore Converse to my first formal dance. <laughs> you are so not like other girls. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know. It's crazy how much I'm not like other girls. <laughs> no, now I hate that behavior and I would never. I think for me, it's a, a lot of beer drinking, which is ironic because we're having a beer right now. Oh my God, wait, you never drink beer. No, I, I don't like beer. Sometimes a watery Mexican beer hits the spot on a hot afternoon. Oh no. And that cannot be contested. With a lime? That's not beer. That's magic. Absolutely. It's a f- refreshing cocktail at that point. You yeah. You put a little bit of fruit a in A Paloma. There. A Paloma, if you will. <laughs> no, I, I think the beer is a big one. I faked a lot, I think. That goes without saying we all have, but... Have I lied outright? Have I lied? Have I lied? Have I lied? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. Like movies we never saw but said we did. Yeah. I found that you could so quickly and easily be caught out on that. I actually love, there's like something in me that gets like a, I get like a little butterfly whenever someone is like, oh, and you know this French director. And I'm like, no, I've never heard his name. Totally. Don't know anything about that. Yeah. I think the one that was hard for me was designers. If there was a guy who knew a designer and I'd never heard of them, I'd be like, I'm thinking circa 2012 when I was 17 and like, oh, I love Raph Simmons. Nothing like Raph. Mm. Nothing like a little bit of Raph. <laughs> I had no, just truly no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It is an interesting question. It does actually bring me to my inspiration this week. If <gasps> I, if I yeah. may. Hit, hit me with it. Well, <laughs> it starts strong. It starts on a good note. I was at the gym and there was a man Lifting a, a pretty impressive amount of weight on his hip thrust, which is when you strap the belt across, you have plates either side, and you just have to thrust those hips up. And it was probably the most I'd seen a guy hip thrust. It was quite a lot. I want to say 280 pounds on there. Clearly doing like five sets or something absolutely outrageous. And and I was like, hey, are you are you almost? And he like looks at me and he was like, are you waiting? And I was like, yeah, yeah, are you almost? And he was like, yeah, I've got like two more sets. And I was like, Two more sets. That's like 17 sets. Yeah. And he was like, well, do you want to work in? And I was like, okay, cool. So he gets up to start removing the plates. And I was like, "Mm -mm -mm, daddy. Oh, we're going to be adding a couple more on there. So I loaded up. I kind of bang out a set. And he said to me, I've got to admit, you really humbled me just now. I really thought that I was getting up there, but my God, like you, you really lifted a lot. And I said, well, actually you're not using a hip pad. 
which will totally change the game for you if you use like a little cushiony thing that goes yeah. under the strap. Otherwise it really hurts your hips. And I was like, you can lift way more when you have that support wedged in between your hips and the belt. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So of course I get off. I look at him. I see. Are you going to take my advice and use the hip pad specifically designed for that machine? Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. no, he did not. Wow. So my inspiration was masculinity. Like what else? Just how much their egos get in their own way. That could have been a really comfortable and rewarding experience for him. Were he just to take a woman's advice and use this little cushion, but he had to raw dog it. Do you think it is because the cushion is feminine? The cushion is about as mask a cushion as you can get. I've it seen it. Black. Gray. No, no, no. They got new cushions. No. It's a black, rough, like laptop case type of thing. It uh-huh. says hip thrust pad on it. So it's specifically designed for that. It's not just a random cushion. And it's the most like hardcore rocker hands gym accessory you can probably get. Like this is not a pink, fluffy little cushion. No, of course. But simply to make the hard bar soft. Do you think in his mind, he's like... It would make me lesser because it's soft. I like instead of just the the painful strap. I think it was twofold. I think he couldn't accept advice from a woman yeah. who just outlifted him by about 100 pounds. Yeah, I know. I knew where this story was going because I've seen you on that machine and I've seen the like eight plates that you place on it. And every time I'm like, that is 100, 200, 300, 400 pounds. <laughs> Shocking. Well, but I've worked my way up there with yeah. the help of a cushion. I could not, there is no way on the planet I would break my hips if I did that without any support. So I just couldn't believe that when he's offered an easier route, which would ultimately result in him lifting more weight, getting more defined glutes, whatever his goal is, he just wouldn't do it. But of course, doesn't that make so much sense? It makes perfect sense. No man is going to wear the condom. Oh my. <laughs> no matter if it felt amazing. Like it's like a, there's just a, a barrier there for them. Someone said to me the other day, oh, with men, oftentimes you have to suggest things. It makes it feel like it's their own idea. In which case, the way I could have gone about it was like, oh my gosh, do you not use a cushion? Oh, that's so crazy. I knew someone like that. They broke their hips. Anyway, have a good workout. <laughs> but me being like, you should use the cushion. He's like, I'm not going to use like, the no, cushion. He's like, no way. No, I would never use that cushion. Yeah. yeah, maybe if you were like, I heard somewhere that Oscar Isaac loves using these cushions. Oscar Isaac. <laughs> I I just couldn't think of like a very buff man. And I mean, The Rock. The Rock. Even The Rock uses the hip pad. We're just calling it a cushion. Yeah. Colloquially. Okay. Women in private rooms call it a cushion. <laughs> I've just really experienced this in my relationship a lot too, where I've like, I really wanted him to get this credit card, which basically when you get the points through a referral on this credit card, you get like multiple trips around the world. It's the biggest travel payoff. Mm-hmm. I spent a year pushing for this and then I gave up. I was like, it's never going to happen. I returned home from your bachelorette and he holds the Amex Platinum in front of me and goes, surprise, look what I got. I said, okay, wait, did you get that with any referral from me? Like to give me points and to also give you the maximum 150,000 points. And he said, oh, I just wanted it to be a surprise. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> After pitching him on the benefits, I got one with a referral from you. Exactly. And we both won. We both won there. <laughs> exactly. It's the rare case where both people can win. Symbiosis in its truest form. But no, he had to do it at his own pace. And what did it? And we fucked up. 
Oh my God. Masculinity keeps them warm at night and keeps their hips cushioned. Cushioned with pride. Yeah. Okay. My inspiration honestly continues this theme of spookiness. I've borne witness to so many spooky events in the last few days. It's been a full moon, like a big one, the blue moon, full moon. And I I came out to walk Holly as I do every morning to find a dead raven in front of my home. And I went, oh, oh my God. Obviously, I'm looking up the meaning, looking up like what I should learn from this, grieving the raven. I was very spooked by that. And then I am driving and in front of me, an owl takes flight from the ground. No. Into the night sky, flies across the full moon. And I'm like, what? This is like witching hour. Yeah, it's a Harry Potter episode. True. An owl in Los Angeles? I was in Hollywood. And then outside of that, Holly and Scampy, both of my animals, have been like really spooked and like looking at little corners, hyperfixating on things. They're like growling in a way that they both like never do. I don't know what's going on, but something's happened. Supernatural events are all around us. So my inspiration is that I'm trying to embrace them rather than like, as a kid, I was so afraid of ghosts. And I feel like the Slavic superstition very much embraces that that the dead live among us here with the living. I am just trying to embrace it and embrace the spookiness of the season. And honestly, I was shocked that when I looked up dead raven meaning, all of them were kind of like good things ahead. What does it mean when a crow dies? I don't know. Crows are very smart. They're so smart. Smarter than pigs, I think. Yeah. They have language, I believe. And they, they remember faces. They remember cars. They know things like, and we have kind of a scary profile this week. (laughs) It's scary for all involved. It's scary to be the magazine publisher Mm -hmm. of a profile like this. It's scary to be the talent involved in a profile like this. It's scary to be the journalist. Scariest to be the publicist. Oh, it's scariest (laughs) to be the publicist. 2023, Allure interview with Gwen Stefani. That's right. It was this year. It was this year. Oh, oh I, my God! I do have some. I do have some insider tea about <gasps> this. Do you, do you want to hear it now? Or do yes. you want it later? What no, I mean? want it now. Say it now. Okay. So Gwen, I mean, it's in the headline. So so Gwen says something pretty outrageous in this story. The story went very viral, and I will not name any names. But an editor involved told the writer, "Like we can't run this. Like we're not running this." And the writer was like, no, 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 I think this is really important. Like she did say some things that just cannot go unchecked. Like we've got to just like let this rip, relationship be damned. And basically the editor would not have it, really wanted to completely change the direction of the piece, take out this comment that she made. And Anna Wintour got involved and said, run it as it is. No way. This is all alleged. This is friends of a friend. Wow. But we should get into it. I agree. Well, I mean, the headline is sort (laughs) of the spoiler alert of it all. The headline is Gwen Stefani, colon. I said, my God, I'm Japanese. 14 years after the debut of her Harajuku Lovers fragrance collection, we asked Gwen Stefani about the praise, the backlash, and the lessons she's brought into her most recent beauty venture. What she said stunned us. This is so delicious. Yeah, this is unlike any profile we've ever done for a few reasons. It's short. It's a beauty. It's beauty. It's beauty focused. Which both of us have background in. 
We have yes. you more than me. You were a, a beauty editor. I really started my career in beauty, which surprised me most of all, um, because prior to getting the job at Vogue, I obviously like dabbled in the way any young woman dabbles, but really it was a crash course in beauty brands, beauty as an industry. So we're going to sprinkle in some fun little beauty talk as we go. I'm so excited. We often also are going to beauty events, it feels like. Urban Decay is always like, come see Lizzo. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's so true. I think that's the number one. I mean, they have the most money out of any industry. Yeah. The beauty industry is recession-proof. It is fail-safe. It just does not shake. Everyone else is like... Oh my God, the end of the world. The beauty is like, we're doing fine. Like, what, I was what in Sephora talk- yesterday. Yeah. What are you guys talking about? So we'll get into all of that. I do want to give some context to Gwen Stefani, obviously. The first one being, and I do have to get this out of the way, her discography is incredibly short. She has four solo albums. I didn't know that. Yes. The first one, but the one we're going to be talking about today, because this is the Harajuku Lovers era. 2004, Love Angel Music Baby, Lamb for short. The second, Sweet Escape, 2006. Third, This Is What the Truth Feels Like, 2016, 10 years later. The fourth, You Make It Feel Like Christmas, 2017. Wow. To have the ubiquity that she's achieved off the back of such a limited output. And one of them being a Christmas album. Isn't that shocking? I was like, really shocking. Okay, let me like really dive into her music as I'm researching this. And I was like, oh my God. Did you mention No Doubt in this? No, no. So this is, this is her solo work. This is like Gwen Stefani under Gwen Stefani. And she's oscillated through quite a series of looks, beauty and fashion wise through the years. There have been a lot of different phases I honestly think we can turn to the profile because she. this is how she opens with her many looks. And then I'll get into some more context. Gwen Stefani has been many people over the last two decades. There is pop punk Stefani with baby blue hair and bindies, ska era Stefani with platinum blonde hair, a bikini top and cargo pants, and Harajuku Stefani, who we'll get into in a minute. If you want to review all these personas at once, they came together in the 2021 music video for her single, Let Me Reintroduce Myself. And how old is she right now? She is, I'm confirming, she is a Libra. <laughs> no surprise. All the blonde. She's 53. Okay. Her career has seen many identities. She has no doubt is so different from the voice judge that she is today. It's like two different people. But the one mainstay, her red lip. Her platinum hair, I would say. Yeah. That's kind of the Gwen Stefani look. That's how we know her. She had a Vegas residency briefly. But this era that this profile sort of dips back into is 2004, which is when Love Angel Music Baby came out. And Love Angel Music Baby was what she named her backup dancers or like had them refer to themselves as who were styled Japanese and Japanese-American dancers that were styled as Harajuku girls from the Harajuku area of Japan, which I have been to. I spent a whole summer backpacking through Japan. Beautiful, beautiful country. Definitely not honored in this profile in the no. way you'd hope, even though it's clear that Gwen Stefani has a lot of reverence for Japan. She is talking about this culture in a very out-of-touch way. Through the lens of a white American woman. Yeah. She is from Orange County. She's from Fullerton. And in in that way, I don't know if you can get more white American woman than Orange County. Highest concentration of Republicans in the country. Yeah. Famously voted for Trump when the entirety of California didn't do that. So Orange County is very special in that way. And (laughs) I spent a lot of my growing up there. So I really know 
I know firsthand what it's like. And she is totally like, I see the Orange County girl in her. I think her debut for her brand, Give, her beauty brand, which is why she's being profiled by Allure. It's a vegan line. It features her signature red lipstick. I have to admit, the brand is great. Is it really? Yeah. I haven't tried the it. The is very famous, and that is what mm-hmm. I have, and I love it. You love it? Do yeah. you use it? Like, oh, my God, every day. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Okay. That's good to know. And vegan, it's hard with mascara, especially. I feel like that's the one where it's like the more poison, the better. So that's why she's in Allure to begin with, but they have to like immediately get into the Harajuku lover era, specifically the fragrance line that was launched in 2008. Do you remember this fragrance line? Was this? No, not on my radar whatsoever. Oh my God. This was so on my radar. I remember smelling it. I remember girls bringing one of the little bottles to school because they were so cute. They were like these little cartoon figurines. I learned about it from this profile, but this does feel like a moment in time wherein everything was very like cartoonized like this. Like this was really a way to reach tweens and they have cute breaths energy of like oversized bubble heads and little bodies and cute outfits and cute little outfits. I know. They, and they were pretty expensive. It was like 45 bucks for a little perfume. I remember wanting them desperately. I remember the friends who had them. It was like very cool, very awesome. And I feel like in that way, now obviously celebrity brands are everywhere. The counters of Sephora are absolutely full of them from Selena Gomez to Hailey Bieber. But this was at a time that celebrity fragrance was like such a thing. And that's all that they felt like there was. I know. That was the only way. Yeah, the only I entry point. I want to smell like Britney Spears. I want to smell like J-Lo. Yeah, there was J-Lo, Britney, Paris. Yeah. I was obsessed with Britney Spears Curious. I will oh. wear it to this day. Oh, yeah. And now there are so many that you wouldn't even think of that it's like, I mean, Ariana Grande's is lauded on tiktok i know people are like this is one of the best perfumes out there right now what is it cloud cloud i think yeah Yeah. i've heard it's incredible and it's very affordable i'm very deep actually in the perfume world right now i just wrote a story about it for vanity fair and i've been like really obsessed with it for the past few months so this story also felt so perfect because perfume has been my life what is it that is drawing you in right now i mean our olfactory sense is the one that's like most closely tied to our experience of nostalgia it's like when you smell something that you used to wear in middle school it immediately transports you back in a way that sight sound even if you know we love listening to middle school oldies but to smell the bath and body Works sweet pea perfume that i used to wear in the sixth grade and the seventh grade i mean like your brain the synapses are firing it's such an interesting thing to me and i just also love the experience of it i think it's so cool to have a signature scent for one. I've been trying desperately to find one. I've never managed it and I've never prioritized it enough. I've projectized it. Have my, you? Yeah. Oh, my signature scent search is gone far and wide. I am trying so many different things. I'm constantly at the perfume counters and I haven't found it yet. You it haven't found it. No, it's just hard. For a long time for me, it was Misty or Cherie. Oh my and God. And I outgrew it. And you do outgrow them. It's like suddenly one day. You wake it's up not and it your makes scent. you feel sick. Yeah. So... I love that this story is hearkening back to this time, this like golden era for celebrity perfumes because her tour, the perfumes, the everything, all the visuals were all Japanese culture, Harajuku girls, cool Japanese style. And at the time, I don't think many people thought anything of it. It's since come out that many people were like, this is actually super uncomfortable, but 
obviously that wasn't really a thing and we weren't on social media dragging it or yeah. anything and that was a time when discomfort was like near constant i think for minorities oh yeah representation was not really a thing but also it was south park and the yes. simpsons near constant like racial jokes jokes yeah, it wasn't an easy time, I think, to be any, anything other than white. Absolutely, which was very much treated as like the default. So the author of this profile, Jessa Marie Kalaor, she's a senior editor at Allure, and she has covered beauty for Birdie, Elle, Cosmo, very in the thick of beauty coverage. And I really trust her. I read a lot of her other stuff because it's like nostalgic to me to, to read the product recommendation articles. I love it. I do. I'll always, I don't know, love or have like some sort of like affection for. Yeah. Special attachment. It's your entry point to the industry. It was, it was. And so she's an Asian American woman, Filipino. She talks about her identity in this piece in the fact that after Gwen makes her large statement about how she herself is Japanese the author and a few other people on the alert team are sort of like, huh, maybe she misspoke. Maybe I'm not interpreting this right. I don't get it. But no, she, she really doubles down. Jessa writes, I included a question about what she felt like she may have learned from Harajuku lovers, considering its praise, backlash, and everything in between. She responded by telling me a story she shared with the press before about her father's job at Yamaha. Mm-hmm. I've heard this before in an interview as well. Yeah, yeah. Which had him traveling between their home in California and Japan for 18 years. Gwen says, that was my Japanese influence. And that was the culture that was so rich with tradition, yet so futuristic, with so much attention to art and detail and discipline. And it was fascinating to me, she said, explaining how her father, who is Italian-American, would return with stories of street performers cosplaying as Elvis and stylish woman with colorful hair. Then, as an adult, she was able to travel to Harajuku to see them herself. I said, my God, I'm Japanese and I didn't know it. As those words seemed to hang in the air between us, she continued, I am, you know. She then explained that there is an innocence to her relationship with Japanese culture, referring to herself as a super fan. Yeah, so it's it's a classic case of appropriation, right? Where you... Yeah. Take on the, well, you adopt the cultural characteristics that you enjoy and personify them, but kind of leave the rest that yeah. don't serve you. And like cut it away from its actual context and cultural significance. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, I love to wear the hats. And it's like, well, that's not the whole story there. On the scale of this to Rachel Dolezal, for example, like what, what, how much is this raising your hair? It's mostly the ignorance that raises my hair because she said this in 2023. It's one thing if we were today doing a profile that came out in 2004 and she said that it would be sort of like, ha ha, all we didn't know. But now to be a prominent, famous woman in a position of power to speak to that era and maybe even not even make amends, but at least like give it some sort of understanding or recognition of like, I didn't do it perfectly, but I have so much appreciation and love for Japanese culture. No, this concept of transracial identity is also very prevalent here. I think in the sense of like, obviously we've, we've learned over the years how sexuality is fluid, how gender is fluid. And then this different type of aspect of self-identification has entered the equation in the sense of like the Rachel Dolezals who fully believe themselves to be part of a different race. And it's interesting because I don't think Gwen 
is quite on that level here. Like, I don't think she's saying I believe myself to be Japanese. And in fact, I am misrepresented by this body because I really should have more Eastern Asian features. In fact, she is just like, I think the clothes are cute. It's just fascinating. It's so on the surface. Yeah. And there's just been no thought for 10 years to not think of like, huh, Well, the crazy thing is, and you brought it up before, like a publicist here has heard these conversations and I've heard, I've heard Gwen speak on podcasts and she doesn't sound like the brightest bulb. Like I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll say it straight. We usually don't. Honestly, I was surprised because I have idolized the woman for so long. I thought she was like the coolest of cool. And I was like, oh, I just didn't expect that from you hearing you speak. Like there wasn't a lot of thoughtfulness. There wasn't a lot of consideration. When someone posed those deeper questions, she really wasn't able to keep up. And and that was like just surprising to me. I also just think it's incredibly bold to be making these statements in 2023 because of the cultural landscape right now. But this is someone who's unaware of the cultural landscape, clearly. Yeah. But where's the publicist making her aware of it? I don't know. And I don't know if a publicist would know going into a beauty feature, beauty interview about her new vegan makeup line to brief her on the fact that there have been unprecedented number of hate crimes against Asian people in the U.S. And COVID pandemic has had many, many, many repercussions. And one of them has been an outsized amount of hate towards Asians. And there have been so many campaigns and it's been like a truly horrific time for that community, especially elders in that community, which the author gets into because to make these statements in 2023, it just doesn't sit right. It does not sit right. The my God, I'm Japanese is one thing because it's like resonating with a culture's sentiment. It's like being like me being like, oh my God, I'm Oh, I just, I actually, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. I'm Canadian, but I just don't think (laughs) it crosses over that way. But it's not even that. It's the fact that she really says, yeah, I am, you know, like I am. I am. As if I have this lineage. Like there's been a big mistake. And the writer, to her credit also, it's like, we're talking about this seriously, but it is treated in a very funny way (laughs) in this profile, which there is some levity Mixed in with the serious, she writes, like Stefani, I am not Japanese, but I am an Asian woman living in America, which comes with sobering realities during a time of heightened Asian, American and Pacific Islander hate. Also, we do have to say that she spoke to Gwen for 32 minutes total, which is very common. Yeah, I you'd think be hard pressed. To I get think more. a lot of people would be surprised by how little they give you to write a cover story these days. I I'm know. not even sure this was a cover story. Maybe it was just a digital feature. I yeah, know. I don't. It made such waves. Yeah, that no, I, took, was, I took it to be a cover. Yeah, no, but, no, it was just a. There was no like photo shoot for it. But I've done a cover story off the back of ten minutes of audio mm. on Ricky Martin. No, <laughs> I had ten minutes of audio that I had to turn into a paper cover. I remember it so clearly, and it's like it's so difficult. Like, it's a huge credit to her that she spent the entirety of those 32 minutes just trying to clarify Gwen's comments instead of being like, anyway, so the mascara's a hit. Yeah. Tell me more about that. And it also seems like this was all Gwen wanted to talk about, where the writer is talking about the Harajuku perfume era, and Gwen is going into 
if people are going to criticize me for being a fan of something beautiful and sharing that, then I think that doesn't feel right, she tells the writer. I think it was a beautiful time of creativity, a time of the ping pong match between Harajuku culture and American culture. She elaborated further. It should be okay to be inspired by other cultures because if we're not allowed, then that's dividing people, right? And <laughs> to sit across from an Asian woman and say this, she goes on to say, if we didn't buy and sell and trade our cultures in, we wouldn't have so much beauty, you know? We learn from each other. We share from each other. We grow from each other. And all these rules are just dividing us more and more. It's like, yeah. Shh, stop. Stop, 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 stop. I'm like unable to even unravel that really. No. Because in, if, you put, <laughs> if you put those comments in a vacuum, it, she sounds right. Totally. Like, she sounds yeah. like this, this. She sounds good. Like, it's like, absolutely. We should share in each other's cultures. We should appreciate each other's cultures. We should celebrate them. Learning from each other brings us closer for sure. Like all of that makes sense. But when you are, again, adopting the best or in Western culture, best characteristics from a particular group, minority group that has historically been oppressed and you're not there when it counts, when the oppression is taking flight, then it's like, what What are you talking about, baby? What are you talking <laughs> about? And Jessa writes, I spent 32 minutes in conversation with Stefani, many of them devoted to her lengthy answer to my question about Harajuku lovers. In that time, she said more than once that she's Japanese. Allure's social media associate, who is Asian and Latina, was also present for the interview, and we were left questioning what we had heard. Maybe she misspoke again and again? During our interview, Stefani asserted twice that she was Japanese and once that she was a little bit of an Orange County girl, a little bit of a Japanese girl, a little bit of an English girl. It's very Madonna. She also talks about how she not only identifies with Japan, but also Hispanic and Latinx communities because of her upbringing in Anaheim, which has Hispanic and Latinx communities within it. It's like, I don't, I, I can't understand how she conceptualizes the world mostly. Of, there's clearly some osmosis happening where she feels like being surrounded by some of these cultures just penetrates through down to her core. Where yeah, it's like Ariana's black scent. I know. And like heavy spray come and gone. For a long time. Yes. Now she's become very Asian-esque. Yeah. Well, yeah. And people have criticized her online for like the kawaii existence now and the change in vocal inflection and the spray tans be gone and big eyes the cartoonist eyes you know it's more clear than ever that you cannot change your race the pete davidson joke stays with me to this day i did not know that until you showed it to me and that was so brutal oh he said what am i gonna do spray paint myself brown and hop on the cover of vogue oh, and i highly recommend paint. you you look it up because it's look out that clip that was in the wake of their breakup is a crazy joke and one of the hardest hitting jokes i think he's ever had like i was like that's yeah. actually good from you <laughs> i know i know it's real it's real but no that's it's this is insane it also reminds me of and there's been a lot of talk about this and ironically i wrote an article god years ago 2018 for the new york times and it never got published but about the rise of lip fillers and what it means to borrow ethnic markers from other groups because big lips has obviously always been associated with black culture primarily and for for so long they were ridiculed for it especially during world war ii there was like cartoons printed out and disseminated so it was a big part of nazi propaganda to draw like to make these caricatures of jewish and black people as a as a means of obviously othering them and 
turning the population of Germany against them. But this is something that I found really interesting because it's been raised again recently, but on a much bigger scale with relation to the Kardashians, because they're like, not only did they take the lips from African culture, they took the kind of slanted eyes from the Middle East. They took the Eurasian tiny noses. They took the long hair tresses that have been traditionally only associated with women from South Asian cultures. And then they took the curves that are usually only attributed to the Lenex community. So it's like they have built a bed, a woman that is appealing to every single race and it's this ethnic ambiguity melting pot of the most beautiful features because obviously there's a flip side right when you are white you might have this little nose but you're not gonna have the big booty it's you have to trade off they have refused to trade and what this has done is obviously cultivated like a really impossible beauty standard to keep up with without surgical intervention of course and such a slap in the face because that body shape for so many years was criticized and hypersexualized and right treated as something it was the j-lo booty do you remember mm-hmm. when it was like j-lo has the biggest ass in the that, world yeah it's, a, it's the size of the moon yeah and you look back at it and you're like that doesn't even compare what? to like yeah <laughs> Not even in the same universe as like a, a Kardashian circa 2017 booty pre Ozempic, obviously I'm referring mm. to. Mm-hmm. I have one question to ask you. And yeah. this is something I want to write an article about beauty specific. To what degree do you believe celebrities owe us transparency with something like a semi-glutide weight loss program with something like a nose job with something like fillers? What kind of, what would satiate you as a consumer and free you a little bit as a woman? I I have a I have a firm answer on this. Okay. If you are a celebrity that's whatever it is, using Ozempic, getting full facelift, doing any of those things, and you are quiet and tucked away, I see no problem. Recover. See no evil, hear no evil. I, yeah, I see no problem. Of course, you have the money. Go wild. If you are a celebrity that's doing those things and then getting on Instagram and telling everyone that if they just drink this smoothie or so that you can do it in two weeks if you need to or that their face is completely natural and if you just use the right skincare or drunk more water, then you would be able to look like this too. That is where I have the issue because you are lying to people when it comes to weight loss, when it comes to how why does my body look like this? Oh, I go to the gym twice a week. Then I think there's been two major examples of this recently. And one is, as luck would have it, an allure cover where Kim Kardashian admitted only to Botox and to Botox alone in her forehead and in her traps. And that's it. And then Mindy Kaling is the other strong, strong example of that, where there's obviously been some sort of intervention in terms of how quickly she lost weight. And it coincided with the launch of a swimwear line where she spoke about her diet being like a turkey sandwich and a smoothie and she walks five miles a day. So it's like... (sighs) That I think is dangerous. I think that is too, dangerous. That's actually dangerous. It's harmful. It's incredibly harmful. And if people imitate your diet, and this is to say, you know, no one should be imitating anyone's diet. It doesn't like what I eat in the day is a truly fruitless in that for that reason. Like they, they really make no sense outside of meal inspiration, I would say. Yeah. Like everyone's caloric 
baseline is going to be different. And no matter if we did the same thing, ate the same thing, the famous thing is that we'd all look different still. And the Mindy Kaley thing has really just rubbed me the wrong way because of how much she stuck to her guns. And I can only imagine how Jessa, the writer of this Gwen Stefani profile feels in this moment Yeah, because she's like, I'm sitting here, a Filipina American woman, and you're lying to me and yet you believe it. So I should give you a pass. Like I, I, I truly, my hat is off. My hands are on the floor. I'm in full bow position because I'm like navigating this interview as a minority. I can only imagine how frustrating it would be. Oh my God. And she's given her so much grace, so much grace. This could be so much more damning and so much nastier. Instead, Jessa really like takes the high road in that she won, gets an expert involved, something we haven't seen happen since the MIA profile. Wait, what a callback. I know, I know, I know. No one ever brings an expert in and only when... It's bad. It's bad. Are you bringing an expert in? And the expert has a lot to say. She fact checks her. Yeah, yeah, she fact checks her and also really defines, I think, in a clear way. An allure reader was not necessarily coming to this profile to learn about cultural appropriation, but they are left (laughs) knowing more. And that is magic because I think in many ways beauty can be a pill in a turkey for for us people. The way you a pill in a turkey. <laughs> the way you pill a dog. You mean you like wrap a pill in turkey? Oh my god, that is so that? specific to dog owners. You yeah, mean like a right. Trojan horse? Yeah, Trojan. <laughs> it's a beautiful it's golden a tro- Trojan it is, horse. It is a Trojan horse. No, we'll take we'll cut the pill in turkey because that's <laughs> illegible for most. It is a Trojan horse because these huge conversations can happen and they're often wrapped in this gleaming little sparkly tube that you would never think but this is this profile i also want to give promotion to gwen where it's due with her beauty brand give and it is spelled g-x-v-e like inexplicably like we don't know why it makes no sense there's no x in her name and yet some copywriter conceived that and to them i say nice hats off we see you we see the work you're doing so the expert that she calls in is a woman named Faria I. Khan. She's a PhD and co-director of the Asian American Studies program at UPenn. And she basically clarifies the line between being inspired by a culture, appreciating a culture, and appropriating a culture. She says, simply put, cultural appropriation is the use of one group's customs, material culture, or oral traditions by another group and raises two important factors to consider commodification, and an unequal power relationship. In this instance, both are present, I would say, in that Gwen is selling these perfumes, Gwen is touring with these women and making tons of money. It's so beyond an appreciation or even an affiliation. Like, I feel Japanese. She's profiting off Mm -hmm. Japanese culture. Yes. And I think in that way, it's sort of indisputable what's happened here or what this might be. I can't believe she did this. I can't believe she said this. She did donate quite a lot to the Save the Children's Japanese Earthquake Tsunami Children in Emergency Fund after the Tohoku earthquake in 2011, which devastated the country and so many thousands of people passed away. So she, there's like some, something to back up her. Yeah. And you have to like wonder how much, and I don't mean to be a cynic, but you do have to wonder how much of that was from like a tax perspective oh i wasn't even thinking oh really oh both of us so cynical so no i was thinking optics truly oh yeah they brought in a a japanese consultant it was like how do we effectively give back in a way that will satisfy a lot of people Mm -hmm. 
And then another expert is brought in, Angela Nugent, who is a therapist at the Yellow Chair Collective. She like has an emphasis on serving Asian American communities. And <laughs> she she says, well, I think lack of awareness is a valid reason. I don't think it's a valid excuse. A white person doesn't have to face the racism, prejudices, or discrimination that a Japanese, Mexican, or El Salvadorian person would have to face, continues Nugent. They can put on those bits of culture sort of like a costume. And that's really what she's done. Yeah, she's costumized a culture. Yeah, and that's really where the problem is. And that's sort of where the piece ends. The writer gives some context into how this is especially ridiculous because between March 2020 and March 2022, there were 11,000 reported hate incidences against Asians across the United States, 900 of them towards Japanese people. Uh, Stefani has spoken a lot about her deep love and appreciation for Japanese culture, but to Allure's knowledge, she has not publicly expressed outrage or made any statements of support during this cycle of anti-AAPI hate. Yeah, and this was the time to do it. Yeah, it really was. Instead, she put on some hairpins in a music video from 2021, and that was it. I haven't watched the video. I feel like I should now. Yeah, it's just, it's all incredibly tone deaf. Which there is something to be said about how it is a very dumb thing to hold celebrities to a standard where they become spokespeople for social justice issues because many celebrities, no matter how media trained they are, are very out of touch with what's going on in the real world at any given time. And uh, I think this is one such example of just some, you know, she's been on The Voice, judge on The Voice. Everything's going okay, pretty wealthy, married to break, break, break Shelton. Yeah, a country music star. I know. Who was also a judge on The Voice. (laughs) It seems like a nice life, but it does not make for engaging interviews. No. And I haven't used her beauty line. I have used Selena Gomez's beauty line, and I really love it. You bring it up all the time. I know. Oh, my God. Yeah, we have brought it up on this podcast. We brought it up on the podcast before. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be absolutely thriving. Yeah. It's so funny. I The the Selena Gomez thing seems out of her sheer reach Mm -hmm. that that has been so successful. And then I think the product also kind of stood the test of, like, the fact that it was actually good went a long way. Same with Rihanna. But... You can really spot a cash grab among celebs from a mile away. Like when you look at the businesses that possibly could be falling flat, and I don't have any proof of this. This is sheer opinion. But like something that's coming to mind is like a skin by Kim. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, it seems bandwagoning at this point. Like you don't, I've never associated you with skin. You have beautiful skin, but I've never really thought that that was your realm. Skims, 100%. KKW Beauty, say no more. Yeah. Kylie's lip kits is a reason they were so successful. Huge fascination with her lips. But it's like, yeah, when celebrities do things that don't make sense. It's just not smart business. Gwen's makeup line, I will say, it makes sense. She's always been transformative with her looks. I think. I have a question for you. Yeah, tell me. What's your signature beauty look? If you had to describe Mm. it. When I was, it's changed. When I was in my like late teens, early 20s, I wore a red lip 24-7. Every time I went out, I was wearing oh, one. Oh, yeah. So crazy. So many pictures of you in a red lip. Yeah, from that era. Yeah, totally. And now, more recently, I've kind of brought it back after yeah. years of not doing it. Um, signature beauty look now is probably blush, and you would say that too about me. I already know. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I changed. I did a blue eye for a really long time. I did a winged eyeliner for years. Actually, that might be the the common thread between 
my mini Eris is the wing eyeliner. I don't know. Okay, it's because I have hooded eyes, though, that I don't know how to draw a winged eyeliner on myself. That's why you always ask me. You're like, where is the eyeliner? Where is the eye? And I'm always like, I already did it. <laughs> it's Mom, on. It's on. It's, I did it. When you look at me and say, is it too much? And I cannot see a, like stitch, a, of a stitch of makeup on you. And I'm like, this is getting out of hand. No, I got very lucky. The time that I was living in Italy... I had an older host sister who I was 16. She was 18 total beauty guru. I remember looking at her and saying, how do you do your eyeliner without stretching out your eye? Like stretching oh, out yeah. the skin. And she said, practice. And from that point on, I could do it. It was oh just my like God. painting. It was, there was no difference. So yeah, I can, I can whip on a face. Yeah, but, you can. You're really good at it. But it's like, we were talking about it. It's like, I've kind of, the makeup side of things, I've really lessened a lot mm-hmm. in, just how much I wear. I think LA does that to you in a big way. God, when I was living in New York, every day was a face. I guess the same for me. Yeah, you had to be presentable. You had to go to the office. Who knew if you had an event later? Oh my God, that was the hottest thing. That Going was Going from the office to an event and having to like deal with like a sweaty, oily face after like a full nine hours in it. Or- no, I was spoiled because I had the Vogue beauty closet so I could just go and touch up in there. Was all the girls doing that? Yeah. Wow. I saw so many people would just like pop in for a second, grab a powder, dust it on, and then go out. Would you get changed ever? Yeah. In the in the closet? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't advisable because people could come in at any moment, but I did. <laughs> but they gave you, you could borrow the clothes from the closet? Oh, no. The beauty closet and the fashion closet, completely separate. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fashion closet on the other side of the building, guarded heavily. Right. Yeah. No. Will you... Considered representatives in the sense of you had to have events approved. Yeah. Your editors? Yep. Wow, they're still doing that. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, and like certain editors would go to certain ones and there were like clearly some loyalties and relationships. It was very interesting to see the – and then some were just deemed like not worth anyone's time. Wow. Yeah. So if you wanted to go to one that was not worth anyone's time for like the canapé and a free drink, were you able to do that? There were some that they were like, "We are, nobody is, should go to this. Mm-hmm. And then some were like, we don't really care. And then I'd be like, well, I'll go. Like, And I networked and I got the canapé. And I mean, that we was met it. over a canapé. I'm so grateful I know. for it. I thank God. Every day. I can't even remember what, what brought me there. Actually, no, I think it was like a, it was a friend of a friend was the publicist. That party that you went yes. to? Yes. Who did you interview her for? No one. <gasps> you just did that as a favor? Yeah. I've had that before where a publicist has asked me to do a fake interview. Totally. And I've only done it one time. You're there and you're, yeah, basically in costume. How crazy is that? Yeah. Because they know that person will never check their press. Yeah. So they're just like, yeah, just carry out an interview as if you would anyway. Also, because sometimes I think, I mean, especially because I was freelance at the time, I think I pitched it maybe. And then it, they it said, no, thank anywhere. you. Yeah, and totally. I was like, well, okay. <sighs> yeah. But you got the free night in the hotel. I got the free night is. in the hotel and it was gorgeous. And Kiehl's products. Wasn't that a part of it? I don't think so. Or maybe I had just come from a Kiehl's event and I had all these Kiehl's products. But I was in that hotel room with like an array of Kiehl's products, which I do love. I do love. I know the, the mailers, they haven't been quite as much as they were when I was truly squarely in the beauty space where like every day I would get three packages with that's really overwhelming yeah and I would have to give them away a lot to friends maybe some of you listening have received some of the products but you're welcome yeah you're welcome what's your signature look do you think now um I I you've learned how to do your curls and that goes a long way yeah for me it's really been a hair-based journey makeup I still I still need to learn I've definitely got better stuff now 
I feel like I've been dabbling in the Charlotte Tilbury of it all, kind of figuring out what's going on there. I got a lip liner for the first time. I try, I've tried to line my lips. And? Um, and I don't know if I'm doing it right. I just, the overlining, I don't, I don't think it's my thing. Do you not watch like a TikTok video and take away any tips? I do. I have taken away tips for concealer and that you're supposed to let it sit for a second before you rub it in. Pat it in, should, should I say. Oh my God, I was going to say that is the wrong verb to use. <laughs> I've learned about like setting powder, stuff like that. For me, what I need to figure out is long-lasting makeup, and that is really where I struggle, how to make it last. You taught me an incredible tip. Oh, my God. You, you told me that you put on setting spray before your makeup. Yep. I still haven't done it really, but yeah. I'm, I've taken that with me. I hold it dear. No, and I, I've interviewed so many makeup artists. I, I have a lot of tips, and my curly hair is really as, as a result of my research, and like growing my hair out has been... I just feel like rosemary oil really does work, everyone. I hope you know that. If you massage it, if you take care of your scalp, that's like that's where your length comes from. And it, But it also has to do with taking care of your ends because the reason our hair doesn't grow is because it's breaking. If you have like unhealthy hair, you can't grow it. Groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Yeah, what a journey yeah. this profile was, man. I know. I mean, it's so, it's so quick, but it was, it just caused such a stir. Oh my God. Yeah. The response is, I will read some tweets. Please. That's all right with you. The way that this was announced, the Allure site director, Sam Escobar, who I've heard nothing but lovely things about in the journalism world, launched the profile by saying, Gwen Stefani got very, uh, honest after editor Jessa Marie Calore asked about the 2008 backlash against the Harajuku Lovers Collection. In my six years at Allure, this might be the strangest celebrity interview we've ever published. Roxanne Gay, the author, quipped, Gwen Stefani's publicist must be very busy today. And uh, just a bunch of people on Twitter writing like, this doesn't make any sense. This is absurd. It's the hypocrisy that allows rich white people to make outrageous claims. And other people also tweeting about, I remember how uncomfortable this era made me 20 years ago, but it wasn't so easy to share those feelings pre-social media. Completely. Yeah. It's a wild, it's a wild thing to say. I know. I wonder how much to your point about like, does she actually believe it? I was really trying to think of a comparison for myself. <laughs> like a wild thing. Like that. a wild thing. And what I came up with was like Judaism kind of like being like I just think I'm Jewish and I am Jewish <laughs> like being like I love the horror I love Hala I mean you could convert Charlotte did it I have a I have a close friend who's Jewish and he was like yeah my my dad and all his friends and my uncles just love Ivanka and I was like oh my god oh my god but yeah that's a famous convertee Charlotte Ivanka Beatrice next in line yeah, imagine. I did ask Miles if I could go to Temple. I was oh, like, yeah. did they let you in? And he was like, of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's twofold of being an ethnicity, a nationality, yeah. and a cultural religion. Trinity. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and I, I know many people who identify culturally as Jewish, but not religiously as Jewish. Mm. And that you couldn't claim. Exactly. This has been a short one. Yeah. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. But we've given you long deep dives in the past. So exactly. So you're going to have to accept this. Accept this. Accept our little beauty recommendations, our little beauty talk. Any, any more tips before we leave? Um, Put a little oil on before you put perfume and it'll last way longer. I heard put lotion on at the same time you put perfume. Yep. And deodorant on at night. That's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really strong. And uh, 
nothing will substitute for a very hydrated base when you put makeup on. Like you can't put foundation over dry, sad skin. Sorry. Sorry. That's a hard pill to swallow. I know. That is not a turkey pill. No. No, no, no. Well, Gwen. Gwen. Any parting words? Get it together. Get it together. (laughs) Come on. You're too old for this. Give a little. Yeah. Yeah. Just read one article. Scroll your Twitter feed. Yeah. Honestly, it'll be it'll be hard oh my God, when you learn about the world be- <laughs> but but then you'll be free because you'll know okay we've never done this before but we're hopping on with a little disclaimer we were both on our periods <laughs> we were hormonally challenged this week and there was so much stuff happening there were a hundred motorcycles that passed <laughs> as Not- we recorded there's a huge astrological event also in the works mercury is in retrograde Venus is in retrograde. Don't sign a contract. No. Don't get out on the road. Honestly, it was ridiculous for us to try to record. This is all to say we finished this episode and we looked at each other and said, that's going to be our worst ever. (laughs) (laughs) We had absolutely nothing to give, but... Oh my God. It's just hard to get that, that rhythm, that rhythm that you and I usually have when we have to stop every five seconds because a biker gang is going by. Harley Davidson was here in this episode. You can't hear him because Beatrice has gone through meticulously to edit him out. But he was here and he messed with us. But moreover, the, the quippy quips were not there. I know. The flashes in the in the in the back and forth were just not lighting up. Like we just we just our our hearts were in it, but our brains <laughs> went on vacation. They did. They did. But as a as an homage as a as a special little treat i think we should say it's a little it's a little makeup treat yeah a little please forgive us we will be recommending you with our insidery knowledge beauty products on the patreon ivana has spent years collating some of the best of the biz oh yeah and i do really know what works and what doesn't work so she wrote me a skincare plan like the way you might get a workout plan she wrote me a day-to-day skincare plan yeah and i have that for hair too honestly i feel like hair even more i know i know the masks i know the ones that actually do something and the ones that are just packaging pretty packaging so i that is my apology we thought all right we'll give them what we know people something we'll give them something we have to give the people something yeah we were going to take a week off, but no, we show up for you in any form. And I hope that's what you'll take with you as you listen to this episode. Because women can do anything and they can do it on their period. <laughs> <laughs> you can have it all. You can. The whole 50 minutes of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we always have fun with you. Exactly. Exactly. Love you. Love you. Love you.